There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. All you non-believers disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome into NFL Friday, FUV's exclusive look at the National Football League. I'm Andrew Villada alongside Brian Rabax and Lou Orlando. And guys, a ton to get into a crazy divisional round. I think we could all agree, maybe the best playoff week of football we've seen in quite some time. We'll get into all of those games. And we were just talking about, uh, you know, pre-show before we started recording that, oh, is there any games like we specifically don't want to talk about? And like, you can't because all of them uh, were just so, so good. Giants making some head coaching waves, already hired Joe Shane, but now they're moving over to their head coaching search. And News that was close to me personally as a Saints fan, Sean Payton steps down and retires. We'll get into all of that, all of that. but Brian, we'll start off with you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I mean, I'm still riding high off of the four divisional games we got. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know about how you guys stand on it, but that was probably the best like weekend of football I've ever watched. I mean, those four games were all incredible. So that was still, still kind of buzzing off of that. And then obviously we got the championship games this weekend, so... I couldn't be more excited to be on NFL Friday today. Lou, how about you? Yeah, I mean, listen, this is this is the week you want to come on NFL Friday. <laughs> one of the best playoff weekends of all time. It just felt like every single game got better. I don't know how this week even tops it, but I'm just excited to be on with you guys. And we'll just jump right into that. And the first game I think we all want to talk about is Kansas City and Buffalo. Just an all-time quarterback duel shootout between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, Chiefs win 42-36. And the time I'm introing this game and queuing it up, Patrick Mahomes tied the game up in 13 seconds. And th- th- that uh, was just so, so insane. I think a lot of people coming out of this game, it's all about the overtime rules, how Josh Allen didn't get a say into overtime. But just those final few minutes, just what a crazy stretch, whether it be Gabe Davis turning into just Jerry Rice all of a sudden with the four touchdowns over 200 yards, Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things. And Brian, we'll start off with you. This game to me has to rank, you know, and as a Saints fan, I've seen a lot of these kind of thrillers up close, whether it be the Minnesota miracle, the no call, I've kind of see these little divisional round thrillers up close, but this one to me ranks probably number one, if you at least, I know recency bias, but it's, it's up there. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the great thing about being a Giants fan. The Giants, their season's kind of over, like, before all this. Like, I couldn't imagine being a Bills fan or a Chiefs fan and having to watch that game. It must have been so stressful. I mean, I was even stressed just watching it just as, <laughs> as a, you know, a fan. So it was, it was a crazy game, obviously one of the best. I mean, those last two minutes, the last two minutes of regulation alone, there were three, three lead changes. 
three touchdowns. And then obviously you had the game go to overtime. And, you know, I was watching the Bucks and the Rams early in the game and I was, early in the day. And I was like, I, I believe that was the craziest game I was going to see. But then the Bills and the Chiefs topped it. And watching those two QBs, I think we can agree that, you know, Josh Allen and Mahomes, that's going to be a great QB yeah. duo in the AFC for years to come, obviously. And even though the Chiefs came out on the top, you know, you have to give credit to Josh Allen. Josh Allen won the game twice. <laughs> He led, he led two game-winning drives for the Chiefs – or for the Bills, excuse me. And still, the Chiefs the Chiefs pull it out. I mean, we can – I can't – 13 seconds left. And somehow, Patrick – that's not that's not enough time. That's enough time for Patrick Mahomes to just lead them into field goal range. I mean, what, what else can you say? I mean, Lou, you can step in if you want, but I'm just still blown away how good that game was. I would say the one complaint would be that that game was only a divisional game. I feel like you'd want Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes going against each other in the conference championship, because like you said, like those, those feel like the top two guys in the AFC, they might be the top two guys in the NFL. And it certainly feels like, you know, the second coming of the Brady Manning rivalry in the playoffs, if that's what we're getting now back to back matchups between those two. But I, I just can't help but feel bad for Josh Allen as someone that's kind of, like you said, Brian, Giants haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. So kind of taking on the Bills as like my team to root for when they're in the playoffs. I feel like they're always a fun team to root for. I've always loved their offense. And it just it stung so much because watching the Bills this year never felt like they really got things going. But then they got into the playoffs and it was like, holy crap, this this is the team I've been waiting to see all year. That game against the Patriots where their offense was just so unstoppable. And then here again, it looked like with 13 seconds left, they were going to be able to move on. And it's just something about Kansas City, man. They're just – there's something there's something over there. I don't know <laughs> – I don't know what it is, but I don't know how you stop them because that they're just so ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes, is an, he's inevitable. I mean, he's just so good. I mean, like anyone that – because I know like there was going into this year or as this year went on, people were like, oh, is Patrick Mahomes really the best? I, I think it's just when you kind of get used of him just throwing, you know, a billion touchdowns and – yard especially early in the season when the team was like four and four everyone was like what's wrong with the Chiefs what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes and then he 13 seconds drives right down the field in two plays you're like okay like he is still the best quarterback in all of football but you gotta feel for Josh Allen I mean four touchdowns all to Gabe Davis 330 yards really a perfect game for him perfect game for Patrick Mahomes I mean both of these quarterbacks it was just I mean it was so so fun to watch and that's why football it's the emotion gets high and you can be on the highest highs. And then it's just a tragedy in some moments that Josh Allen plays this type of game. This Bill's offense plays this type of game and they can't move on in the playoffs. And Lou, you said it. Like, I felt like this Bill's team was on that perfect storm. Like they didn't play their best football, especially offensively until these last few weeks, they hit their stride. And usually those teams that hit their stride, they usually go really deep into the playoff Super Bowl realm. This team just gets stymied by Patrick Mahomes and company. And it's just, Man, it's, I feel feel bad for Bills fans. I've been there where your, your team goes back and forth at the end, and you're just you feel like every time you score, you're like, oh, that was too soon. That was too soon. Like when when uh, Tyree Kill had like that 70 yard touchdown, and he just ran through everybody. Uh, and it, the I think they gave the Bills like a minute 10 left, and I was like, that's way too much time. I was like, the Bills are gonna win this game. And then 13 seconds, I was joking uh, with one of my buddies. I was like, I don't know. I think this may be too much time. And I was like, he was like, you're serious? I was like, no. I was like, there's no way. I mean, Patrick Holmes is good, not that good. And then he did it. I was like, you got to – I was just speechless. I was like, oh, my God. It was just 
it, it was one of those moments where just Patrick Mahomes just put everything down and was like, I'm the best. I guess. Yeah. I mean, he, he really came to play, but, and so did Josh Allen. Both did, I don't think yeah. we can, we can't, I feel like we're not giving enough credit to Gabriel Davis yeah. and what he did. Yeah. He had, yeah. I, I feel like you can call this one of the best playoff games of receiver ever. He had eight catches, 201 yards, and all four touchdowns for the Bills. It was just crazy watching it. You know, I was watching in my living room, and the Bills kept scoring. And we're like, oh, my God. It's, it's Gabriel Davis again. So, I mean, we can't gloss over that. Gabriel Davis had one heck of a game. You got to give credit to him and, you know, the whole Bills offense, too. And the Bills, I, I'm still wrapped up on the 13 seconds and how the Chiefs somehow just got back into field goal range. How, how is 13 seconds enough time for Patrick Mahomes? I mean, the defense, defense for the Bills, I mean, with Josh Allen and what he did and Gabriel Davis, the defense was a, a huge letdown for Buffalo and really just their Achilles heel, heel in that game, just not being able to get the job done, especially in the last 13 seconds. And then you get into overtime and then you can't even give Josh Allen a chance to get the ball to come back and win the game. That's the toughest part for me. Just seeing, you know, the Bills offense job, whether it be Josh Allen or Gabriel Davis play so well and then just come up short like that. I'm, I'm not personally a Bills fan, but it just crushed me to see it. And it's tough when you look at their defense because is there a clear solution? They were, this is one of the best regular season defenses in all of football. They played great defense basically all year, even after losing to Darius White. And then, but you, you look at it in that game and it's like, listen, you talk about the OT rules, but, you know, <laughs> Mahomes only had the ball for 13 seconds and he let them get basically 50 yards. And then over time, it was pretty obvious that the Bills defense was going to do anything to stop them. And I think that's, that's a bit, that's a big concern that this is a really talented offense, but this year, especially I thought the bright spot of the Bills was their defense and just completely disappeared in this game. That's, that's a little scary. If you're a Bills fan. It's it's I want to bring up this overtime rules. That was the big talk after the game that Josh Allen got cheated. Shouldn't have got the ball. And I have a pretty strong opinion on why I actually like the overtime rules. But I just feel like this defense, if you give up a field goal in 13 seconds and whatever, you you don't win the coin toss to OT, you deserve it. I'm sorry. Like, if you're giving up points in 13 seconds, and I know it's Patrick Mahomes, and yes, he's a bad, bad man, but I mean, that's really unspeakable. This defense is a top five defense, Lou, as you said, and I feel for Josh Allen and people are making the joke that the only thing he maybe could have done was call heads instead of tails. But uh, like, to me, if you can't stop an offense for 13 seconds or, you know, you, you can't stop an offense really period in the final two minutes, sometimes you don't deserve to, to get the ball. Cause what was this game going to go till it was, you know, an hour, two hours longer where these guys were scoring back and forth, then you can't do that. And when you can go right down the field and score, I think in OT, it shows that, you know, look, sometimes that's the way it should be. I, I When you get to OT, I feel like sometimes you shouldn't let the game get to OT if that's the reason the game's going to end. And, man, I do feel for Josh Allen because, uh, you know, he, if he, they got the ball first, they probably would have scored. But it's just that defense, I think, let him down, not the overtime rules. Uh, well, no, I agree. But I, I do have to say the overtime rules, I think they could be modified a little bit. I mean – Believe me, I understand the argument that, you know, football is a team game and, you know, it's not just all about the offense, about the defense too. And yes, the Bills defense had a chance to get a stop on the last, on the drive in overtime and they couldn't do it. And they had a chance in the last 13 seconds of regulation and they couldn't do it. So obviously the Bills defense is an equal part to the team and let them down. But 
there's just something that feels so wrong about, you know, the Bills offense not getting a chance to answer. And that, that's really what kind of sticks out to me. You know, we can talk about college rules, but in college, you know, the, the offense gets to match whatever um, the, the opposing offense does. And I think that's, that's really kind of how it should be in some way. I don't know how you want to do it. I don't know if you want to play a whole fifth quarter. I don't know if you just do college rules at all, but I just think that, you know, the Bills should have had a chance to match the Chiefs touchdown on that drive. I think it, there's some way where the offense has to come out and be able to match it. I, again, I get the argument for the keeping them the same, the same rules as it is, but I think it would be more exciting and more, just more fair if, you know, the other Bills offense had a chance to win that game. Yeah, it just kind of feels just like a letdown. It's like you have this back and forth matchup, especially those last two minutes. It's like Mahomes and Allen, they're going back and forth. And it just feels something so wrong about just seeing Josh Allen sit on the sideline with absolutely no control over what happens in overtime. And I, I don't think this is like the first time we've seen it. I think it was a few years ago that I think that Chiefs-Pats happens, game. Happens to Mahomes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Happens to Mahomes. I think that was Mahomes' MVP year when he burst onto the scene. Uh, so I just think you get these great playoff matchups and it just feels so weird to have it end. Whichever quarterback gets the ball first, it's kind of like that could that could be it. I mean, that's what makes overtime so dangerous. So, I'm, I mean, part of the allure of overtime is so much emphasis is put on who wins the toss, who gets the ball first. It adds so much to if your defense can get a stop, that's huge. Then you only need your field goal. So I think there are aspects of the overtime rule that I, I personally I'm not sure that I would switch it just yet because I think it is a really cool part of the sport that if you get the ball first, you can score and the game's over, but it, it does, you get a game like that and you kind of feel bad that Josh Allen didn't have a chance to at least tie it up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I just don't know what, so let's just say you give the other chance that the other team to score a touchdown and they score a touchdown and we just playing then what happens then? Are we just going to go back and forth until you have to stop? Cause I don't know. Like to be honest with you, especially the way these defenses were just gas. So you just saw it. They were gas. Yeah. When is this game? gonna end because you can do the college thing where like now don't they do like everything just like it's like a one play thing then that happened yeah i think a few times that then is even like do you want a game to be decided on that it's like it's one of those weird things that's almost I, like like the nhl shootout stuff that like they yeah, don't time, not like in the NFL. playoffs yeah exactly it's it's definitely a weird thing i, I want to move over to another game here one that i think is going to have probably maybe a bigger, you know, just shockwave in the NFL. And that's going to be this, this Packers game here as they go down to the 49ers, 13 to 10, a game one on a block punt return for a touchdown for San Francisco, who just seemed like they got the gift from God from, for that play. Cause it didn't look like they were scoring a touchdown that whole game with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in company, but Aaron Rodgers loses. We all know what happened around Aaron Rodgers last off season. This was really the last dance. That, that was the whole thing with Rodgers going into the season, him and Devontae Adams. Now coming after that game, Rodgers says that, uh, you know, he wants to make his decision by like the franchise tag date because that obviously has implications for Devontae Adams. But Rodgers didn't particularly play great in this game either. No touchdowns, no picks, only 225 yards. His quarterback rating was a 19.4. And that was better than Jimmy Garoppolo's by eight points. But – Still not good at all. And I think people are going to look at this game and Rodgers' legacy, and it's just another chance that Rodgers had as number one seed or a high seed, has a bye. It's really just the one that got away. Lou, I want to start with you in this one. 
does this to you, first of all, you know, 49ers, do you think this is a team now going up against the Rams? We'll talk about uh, them later more in depth, but is this a team that you feel like, you know, they are forced to really be reckoned with. They're coming in as a, you know, six seed, more of a Cinderella story, or is this something where is Aaron Rodgers, like he just leaves the meat on the bone yet again. And does it really affect his legacy? Yeah. Well, I'll start with the San Francisco question and it's tough because I would say looking at that team, I'm not too scared of them, but then I look at their opponent, which is going to be the Rams. Yeah. The way that San Francisco played the Rams in week 18, it's tough for me to say, like, I don't believe that this team could, could kind of go all the way here and at least make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'll be truthfully honest. I'm not super confident. I, I just think that Jimmy Garoppolo is an average quarterback. He's got some great talent around him. I think Debo Samuel is an absolute X factor. But I think if this team runs into a team that's more talented, uh, which should be the Rams, uh, I think the Rams are the better team. They should win. But, I mean, we can get into that because the Rams have some issues. I mean, the Tampa Bay game alone, <laughs> they, they still have some issues to work out. Yeah, as far as Green Bay, I think it just feels like another year of, like, awesome regular season team, and then they get to the playoffs, and it just all falls apart. And, and this game, especially for Rodgers, I just think you watch it and you're just not impressed, like, both sides really weren't impressive offensively, but especially from the Packers, like that's a team you expect that that's Aaron Rodgers. He's supposed to be a premier quarterback. I think you expect some, some top notch quarterback play. And like even last year when they lost to Tampa Bay, like Rodgers looked good in that game. And here it just kind of felt like they were just going through the motions and trying to survive. And that's not what you want to see from green Bay when they're the one seed. Yeah. I mean, Joe Buck, Joe Buck called it. He, he said, I don't know if you guys heard it, but he said at the top of the broadcast, you know, we're looking at, you know, both these teams, but this is one of the few games where special teams could determine the outcome of the game. And sure enough, you know, a block punt is the difference in the game. And, you know, 49ers winning on a field goal where the Packers have 10 players on the field. So you can get into that, that the special teams let the Packers down, but I, I think it just comes down to Aaron Rodgers and, Obviously, the question now, the big question is where does what where does Aaron Rodgers go? What's the stat, status of the Packers now? You have Aaron Rodgers and you know Devonte Adams. They're all up in jeopardy, and he just Aaron Rodgers as as much attention as he brought to the Packers, as much as he kind of brought the controversy. You know, you got to you got to give something more than that in your big playoff game to save your season. I mean. You know, they score a touchdown on their opening drive, and they look great. And then they score three points for the whole game after that. I mean, I mean, that's not enough. And, you know, the Packers, it's the same thing every single year. You know, you win that Super Bowl, I, it's like at least 10 years ago now, probably yeah, like 10 or 11 12, years ago. 2010, and, the year they won. So yeah, and then since then, it's just been year after year of playoff disappointment. And it's really frustrating too for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who we all recognize as one of the all-time greats at this point, but he just can't, he just hasn't been able to get it done come playoff time. And, you know, in past years, you could certainly blame the defense, but I feel like this year there's no one else to blame, but the offense and Aaron Rodgers, they just didn't get the job done. He had to score more than 10 points against, you know, the San Francisco 49ers at home too. You know, they're just not doing enough. And I think this one's really on Aaron Rodgers and now his full status is up in the air. So I'm really intrigued to see where this whole situation falls and where Aaron Rodgers goes from here. I just want to put those goat talks with Aaron Rodgers to bed because yeah, I think we can I do mean, that now. Like, I don't even, he's not on, I mean, they're just Brady people comparisons talk, are done, but even like, I don't even know, like his playoff performances, especially, I mean, they haven't even been to a Super Bowl in the last 10 years, you know, not only winning one. So it's just, 
he comes up small in the playoffs and that, and that's just been the case. Everyone goes back to Peyton Manning and how he came everyone felt like he came up small, ended up winning that second title, which I think helped his legacy a lot, even though he wasn't, you know, the biggest factor factor in that, that season for the Broncos. But to me, I just, his playoff performances and I don't want to call it just like the, his constant complaining about how he doesn't have enough personnel around him. Cause that's really kind of what it is. He's, and that's why he wants out of green Bay. This team was pretty damn good. I mean, they were a good, good team. Defense keeps them in this game. Everyone's going to go like, I, I hear Packers fans just complaining about special teams. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers and you put up 10 points. That's not the special teams, uh, you know, coordinators fall or whatever his fault. That's Aaron Rodgers' fault. And man, I'm interested to see what he does. I just feel like at this point, I mean, it, it really falls on even last year. I mean, Brady threw three picks in that NFC championship game and Rodgers couldn't he played a fine game up until those final like 10 minutes in that fourth quarter and just could not seal the deal and we'll see what happens with the Packers I think Aaron Rodgers is out of there and you know I I think there's going to be big change in the NFL next year I just think that for him he has to prove that he's not just this regular season okay he's going to win another MVP that's great but in the playoffs time and time again he's came up small and we'll, we'll have to see maybe a change of scenery helps him but this Packers team I I think this is going to be a loss that Maybe an end of an era for them. I mean, I I don't want to hear that the Packers built nothing around Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers had no help. Devontae he had, Adams <laughs> is the best Jones receiver in the league. Yeah, he he's got a, you know more than capable run game. He has a great offensive line, and his defense is good. He just didn't come through when they needed him. That's what it comes down to. And yeah, in recent, I said before, in recent years, defense let them down. But in 2021, in that playoff game, you're not blaming anyone but Aaron Rodgers. There's no one else to point the finger at. So. I, you can't get the argument that Aaron Rodgers is no help. I'm sorry. He, he had enough help and he just didn't get the job done. And you can argue that, you know, he was disrespected and he probably believes that. So the question just comes down to, has this, has this uh, relationship between Rodgers and the front office, has that changed at all? Has it gotten better as the season progressed, which I kept hearing reports that it did, but I have no idea. Especially we didn't hear it all I, that until they stopped winning. So I don't know what that. Yeah, that's was, the thing. Know. They lost in the divisional round. I don't think anyone saw that coming. So does this change change anything? Does it, you know, respark the Aaron Rodgers going to the Broncos or Washington or something? I don't know. So this could be a fun NFL offseason with one of the great quarterbacks in the league going somewhere else. So that's something to look for. And I, I'm excited. Yeah, I I think he's out of there. I think you just look at. Well, in the, in the, in the fall, like that relationship was so bad when he was debating whether or not to come back and he, he does the whole last dance thing. And it just, it feels like that, that relationship with the green Bay front office is so strained, especially for what he was asking for, which is like, like a lot of decision-making with a lot of the GM decisions and really asking for a lot. And he, he was making veiled comments about the front office, basically all the last off season and, for this season to end the way it does for Green Bay, I wouldn't be surprised if he just wants to get as far away from possible with, with the from them. And I mean, I mean, yeah, Andrew. Before you jump back yeah. in, I just want to kind of mention, you know, his preseason press conference, like the preseason press conference, where he just tore into the front office, yeah. and you just knew that like they couldn't do anything about it because he was Aaron Rodgers, and you know he has all the power essentially. You would hope that someone who was able to dictate as much power and kind of, you know, tear into the front office as much as they did, you'd hope they get further than the divisional round of the playoffs. So the fact that he can't even get to the Super Bowl, it just kind of makes Aaron Rodgers look like a fool. I'm sorry. 
I mean, the one thing I will say before we move on, Broncos just hired offensive coordinator for the for the Packers, Nathaniel Hackett. So I'm assuming that's a, a courting move to bring Aaron Rodgers, try to sway his decision a little bit to bring him to Denver. But we got to move on. There's so much to talk about with these games, other NFL news, and then also next week's game previewing them. These last two games that, that we had, Cincy over uh, the Titans and Cincy a big upset, they'll be going to the AFC Championship. And then with the Rams, who almost had that 20 it was 27 to 3 uh this time but brady almost did it again but falls up short i just want to what you guys think one storyline out of each game brian will start with you in the cincinnati game what's one storyline from that game that you took out joe burrow's the real deal yeah that's my story i mean you know i i liked the fact that the Bengals were kind of a dark horse playoff team but i wasn't really like buying it or buying them as a super bowl contender i should say and now they're one win away so you got to give all the credit in the world to Joe Burrow. You know, he's just been fantastic. And yeah, he's the real deal. And he's really living up to that number one overall pick that they took last year. So more credit to him, more credit to Jamar Chase, you know, that whole team, they, they can beat the Chiefs. We saw them do it a couple of weeks ago. So I'm looking forward to that matchup and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Bengals can do. I'm looking at it. I, I mean, I love their offense, love Joe Burrow. I've been really impressed with their defense. Their defense was not one I regarded too highly coming into the playoffs. And you look at, they held the Raiders to 19 and the Titans to 16. And whether or not you believe that the Raiders and Titans are two elite offenses or not is a different story, but this is the playoffs. And that that's great defensive play to get, especially when you, Joe Burrow has been great, but I wouldn't say that the Cincy offense has been clicking all the time throughout the playoffs. So to have that defense step up is huge. And also elite kicker, Evan McPherson's awesome. Yeah. Guess what? We're going to the AFC championship game. Is that, That's what he told Joe Burrow going out for that final kick. I mean, I guess everyone was making fun of them for using a draft pick on a, a kicker, but that's why. And I, I completely agree about this defense and the turnovers, three interceptions on Ryan Tannehill last week. Joe Burrow, I think has played so, so good. Maybe his numbers. I mean, only didn't throw a touchdown last week, but he got sacked nine times and stood in there poised and was able to, you know, get, get this team into multiple scoring positions. I mean, it's going to be a fun game next week. And I love Jamar Chase. I, I, I said it before, I think either on this show or one-on-one, but he single-handedly won me a fantasy football league on a championship weekend because he had like 60 oh, points. Lucky, and lucky I think guy. it was against those Chiefs. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to have to see. And th- th- that's something with the Chiefs. I mean, their secondary got blown up by G- Gabriel Davis and, you know, what the Buffalo is doing. Now you're bringing Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. That is going to be a very interesting matchup to look at, but Kudos to this, this Bengals defense, which wasn't, you know, near the top of the of the league, really near kind of that mid-range, maybe even towards the below average range. And they've shown out, you know, and they played really good. They forced turnovers. And they're the reason that they were able to get that final drive to score the, the game-winning field goals because they were able to intercept uh, Tannehill. So that was, I think, you know, it's one of those games where it seems like the Bengals are just sneaking on by, but we'll see what they can do against Kansas City. We'll talk about that game later. And then final game, L.A., Tampa Bay, Lou, what do you take out of that game? I It's L.A. can't close out. That's my big takeaway. Look at week 18, up 17-0 against San Francisco. They let San Francisco crawl back. You're up 27-3 against the Bucs. You have to start scoring points. You have to keep scoring points and keep them down because you know it's Brady. It was kind of in the back of my mind, even watching the Tampa Bay offense. So, like, listen, like, this is Brady. Like, if, if L.A. doesn't start, doesn't keep scoring, like, this could get scary. And it – it did get scared. I think that's the biggest concern with LA. It's not their town. It's their ability to play consistent football. Cause I don't know that we've seen it too often this year. 
And this is like the second time in three or four weeks that they've either blown a lead or almost blown a really big lead. I've never seen a team shoot themselves in the foot as much as the Rams did in that second half, fourth quarter, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they really did everything they could to help Brady get back into that game. I mean, four, four fumbles. You have the fumble from Akers at the goal line to end the first half. There's that. Then you have the cup fumble. Then the, the really weird, uh, you know, botched snap that rolls back to the 50 yard line after a, after a turnover from the bucks. And then to cap it off, you know, you have two minutes left. You're trying to run out the clock and then cam Akers fumbles, giving Brady another shot. I mean, I, it was unbelievable to watch and it was, it looked like it was going to rival the uh, Falcons 28 to three collapse in the Super Bowl, but thankfully it, it didn't. And, you know, Matthew Stafford was able to get the guys together on the last drive and get them into field goal range and get them a victory by the skin of their teeth. So I think the, the story is obviously, you know, the Rams, they got to close games out better, but also, you know, kudos to Matthew Stafford. You, know, you give him a talented roster and you can see what he can do. And I think it's the Rams back in the NFC championship game, but now the new Rams, they're going to be exciting to watch. And, you know, we'll get into it later, but these 49ers, they're not a walk in the park, especially for the Rams. So that's definitely yeah. something to look forward to. And I think something that's going to be really, you know, a point of focus coming into this game next week in the NFC championship. One thing I got to say about this Rams team and Sean McVay, I think he's shown in the past that, look, he's one of the most innovative offensive minds. But over these last few games, he's just not done a good job coaching this team. You see they've been undisciplined, giving up a ton of turnovers. And especially, um, you know, when they get these leads, they just like, now we're not going to run the ball. We're just going to try to pass the ball a ton. And like this team has so much star power. And there's just, I mean, look at basically every position. They got, you know, a name player um, there. And somehow when they get out to these big leads and they just all of a sudden just, for, for really, I feel like no reason, they just self-destruct. And that guy has to go back to coaching. And Sean McVay, I think, has to do a better job coaching in this 49ers game coming up. I think he could. Like, I don't think he's, like, a bad coach or anything. But he's one of the, the, the – I mean, look, he's not a player, but he's one of the big storylines I'm watching out for uh, in next week's game. So crazy divisional round uh, for sure. And then to follow that, it was just a crazy week of news. I want to start off with the Giants and – their head coaching search after they um, hire Joe Shane as uh, general manager. There have been a lot of names thrown out there and the Giants have been uh, interviewing, whether it be Brian Dable, whether it be, um, you know, a guy like uh, Brian Flores. You guys, you guys are the resident Giants fans for today. Brian, I want to start off with you. What do you make of all these rumors? What's kind of your top candidate here for the Giants? So you mentioned those, those are the top two for me. You have Dable and you have Brian Flores. I'm still perplexed that Brian Flores is available and on the market, given that all the success he had in Miami with that roster. So I, I really like those two guys. And I don't, I don't know which one I want more. Like, you know, you would assume that, you know, you take Flores, you know, given his resume, but looking at Dable, I mean, he might be a better fit and I don't know how Lou feels, but with Dable, you can, you know, the giants need all the help they can get on offense. They, they have been a disaster offensively the last couple of years, and they really could use an offensive guy like Dable to bring them back into kind of, you know, a point of relevancy. And especially they're going to keep Daniel Jones around because Shane made it very clear that he wants to keep Daniel Jones and he wants to build around him. So 
it comes from up top, but it also comes from coaching. You know, Joe Judge, he was a special teams coordinator. What was he going to do with the offense, especially when you're hiring Jason Garrett for your offensive coordinator, and then your next best option is Freddie Kitchens. So really, if they get a nice offensive coach in, I think that this team could really help. And, I mean, you look at Josh, how Josh Allen progressed with Dable. So I like Dable a lot, but, I mean, Flores can't be ignored, but – I, I might be in on Dable. I don't know about you, Lou, but that's who I'm going with right now. I guess I think recently I'm leaning more towards Dable, but I, I do think it's tough because you look at Flores and the one thing you know is that he's done it before and kind of in a similar situation. Like he resurrected the culture in Miami and, and turned that team into a pretty, pretty nice gritty team over there with, you know, not the most talent I ever thought those these last two years, but they found a way to win some games. And especially like that eight, uh, that seven game winning streak they went on down the stretch was awesome. But you look at Brian Dable, offense coordinator for the Bills, which alone stands out because we all know how good the Bills' offense is. And you saw in the playoffs, 83 points in two games. But I think the big thing is the way he helped Josh Allen progress from his first year and then his second and third years. He transformed him into an elite quarterback. And I think I had the quote from Josh Allen right here. He said he thinks teams would be foolish if they didn't hire Dable. He thinks he's one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, and that's a guy that probably wants – I think he said he, you know, he would love to have Dable stay. He kind of hopes he doesn't get hired. But at the same time, he loves him so much he knows he deserves it. I don't think you go wrong either way. But I'm kind of with you, Brian. I would like an offensive coach because whether it's to help Daniel Jones evolve or whoever the next quarterback is, I think you don't want to have – you know, more years where you're just wasting a QB, whoever it is. So I think getting that offensive guy in there uh, with the creative schemes that we've all heard Dable can implement, I think is really tempting to me. And well, he, here's the thing, here's the, here's the thing that I'm kind of looking at and I'll let you get back in a second, Andrew, but yeah, it comes down to, you know, how are, how do coordinators do coming into the head coach? Cause it's not necessarily a guarantee that, you know, a coordinator is going to come in and fix everything. I mean, well, remember the narrative with Pat Shermer when he was brought in? It was, oh, he was just the offensive coordinator of the Vikings, and Case Keenum just had the best season of his career. You know, he was able to get the most out of Case Keenum. Maybe he can turn Eli Manning back into, you know, what he was, and that did not happen. So it just comes down to can Dable, can Dable get the most out of Daniel Jones? Do you trust him to get the job done? And if he's the guy, I think he's a no-brainer for the hire. But Flores' coaching resume, that also can't be ignored. So it'll be interesting to see when – what happens when the decision is made for the Giants? The, the two things I have to say is, one, I mean, you, you look at the offense the Bills had compared to the Giants' offense down the stretch. I mean, surprised they're playing the same sport in the same league, to be quite honest, uh, but between those two, just night and days. And the second one is the, the Dolphins. Obviously, they fired Brian Flores. They're looking into Brian Dable as their head coach, and supposedly there are some rumors heating up there, and obviously that would open up the spot maybe more so towards uh, Brian Flores. I, I think both would be good candidates. It's so tough to tell because, I mean, like, as you guys said, like, Pat Shermer came in and everyone thought, like, he was, like, the no-brainer pick. And he's coming off of the, the Vikings that year, and they just went to the NFC Championship, and their offense looked great with Thielen and Diggs and Dalvin Cook and um, obviously Case Keenum having this crazy year out of nowhere. So everyone's like, oh, he's the guy. And it's just like, it's one of those things with, with head coaches, everyone could think about like, oh, they know what they're talking about, but it's so difficult to kind of pick head coaches. That's why there's so many teams every year kind of in the market for a new one. I mean, it'll definitely be interesting to see what the Giants do. Another name that the Giants are interested in is Leslie Frazier, who's the Bills defensive coordinator. So that's going to be something I think a lot of Giants fans are not a big fan of him, but he's a guy 
that it looks like he'll be coming in for a second interview. And then their defensive coordinator coordinator now in uh, Pat Graham. So I don't know if those are the best picks, but the Giants, I, I like that they're casting a wide net. Well, that's the other thing about the potential Flores hire is I like Patrick Graham, Patrick Graham a lot. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator and he's done a lot with his defense. The, the pro to hiring Flores is he's worked with Patrick Graham in the past. Yeah. So you could possibly keep Patrick Graham on your staff if you hire Brian Flores, whereas I don't know if that's the case with Dable or yeah. Frazier, whoever else you want to hire. So that, that's something that I think should be looked into. I think Patrick Graham, you know, he's a really good coach. He could be a head coach if he, you know, got the offer. I don't know about hiring him as a head coach for the Giants, but I think that's a pro for the if, for the Flores argument, keeping Patrick Graham around and on the staff because he he's turned this defense into something a solid unit. I mean, look at what it was in 2019. It was <laughs> arguably the worst defense in the league, and then a year later, it becomes you know it, a unit that can more than hold its own. It even had great performances in certain games that year, and kind of had some good spots this year when the offense just couldn't do anything. So that's another thing to look at. So. With Flores, for me, it's the coaching resume that he obviously already has and then keeping Patrick Graham around. But then with Dable, it's the offensive mindset. And obviously, the connection to Shane is there. That can't be ignored. And what he can do with the offense for the Giants that needs so much help and just needs all it can to improve. Yeah, and and you can't look past the fact that Flores has that coaching experience because I think there was a great quote from Rob Sala when he went on the Michael K show talking about, how much more responsibility was going from coordinator to head coach. And like, he didn't have the same time to watch film. He wasn't able to do all the things he was able to do when he was at San Francisco and just had, you know, one, one responsibility there as a coordinator. And so I think, you know, that is a question is if you bring in Dable, is it, will it necessarily translate? Cause it doesn't always, whereas with Flores, he's been in that position before and he did it pretty well for, for really two years of the three in Miami. So I think that's definitely a plus. I, I was kind of laughing when you read off those names, Andrew, between, you know, Frazier and, and Patrick Graham, because I could just see if that was the guy they ended up going with, how irate Giants fans would be. And I think it's probably a little bit of an overreaction if they go crazy, because, you know, like we said, the Bills defense was good for most of the year. It's just recency bias. That last game, the Bills defense looked like Swiss cheese. I, I'm not particularly excited if Patrick Graham becomes our head coach. I like the guy. I think he's a pretty good fit for where he is right now as our defensive coordinator. I'm not sure he's ready to take the leap. Uh, I think that if Giants fans, Giants fans would be pretty unhappy if we don't get one of Dable or Flores. It's, it's one of those things where uh, when they hired Judd, that was like the out of nowhere pick and obviously didn't really work out. I would be very, very surprised if they uh, do it again. But speaking of out of nowhere, got to move over to, to my Saints. And the biggest news of the week here in the NFL regarding coaches is Sean Payton stepping down and retiring. For me as a Saints fan, I was just completely shocked. It felt like the Saints, even though they were 9-8 and that's a step back, looks like they were moving in the right direction, just how they finished this season and the defense playing really well. But uh, Sean Payton just basically saying how he felt like it was time for a change in his life and it had nothing to do with this season and maybe the taxing nature of it. The Saints had to move because uh, of a hurricane earlier in the season, so – uh, a lot of people thought it was because of that. He said it was just, you know, was one of those moments where he felt like he needed to change. And he's been thinking about it, he said, for quite a while, um, ever since he said training camp kind of came into his mind, which I thought was very interesting. And as a Saints fan, it's like that was the last year childhood, the Drew Brees is the Sean Payton. And for me, I mean, Sean Payton just completely changed the Saints franchise, made me a Saints fan. Basically, if Sean Payton wasn't there, 
Saints wouldn't have had success, which made me a Saints fan. So I got to say thank you, Sean Payton, first of all, without. But that moves over to the Saints team, which comes in with just a ton of question marks now without Sean Payton. And he's such a great coach. So, like, for me, I, I think it's kind of a thing is what do the Saints try to do? Do they go after a guy maybe like they're already requesting to hire a guy like um, Byron Letwich? People are thinking maybe a Brian Flores if he wanted to come in or would they go with an internal candidate with Dennis Allen? I think they're going to go with Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator this year, but another head coaching spot opens in the NFL. And to me, maybe between the Dolphins and the Saints, I think this is a very, very, um, you know, a spot that I think a lot of coaches would want, very desirable spot. Yeah, but I think the question is, you know, what happens with the Saints now, especially <laughs> in terms of like team performance? Because I mean, you mentioned you lose back-to-back years, Drew Brees and Sean Payton. The landscape in New Orleans has totally changed. And now it's just, you know, where do the Saints go? And you have to look at, you know, who's their quarterback going to be? Because that's not really figured out. Jameis Winston, a free agent. And, I mean, who's your quarterback? Taysom Hill? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> someone on the, that's not on the Saints roster will be the quarterback next year, I will say. Yeah. <laughs> so it just – that's a big question mark. There's a, a gap to fill there. And then you don't know who your head coach is. And then let alone, you know, the salary cap situation, it's not looking great. So there's a lot of work to be done there. But, you know, in terms of head coaching, I mean, there's a lot of good candidates out on the market. I mean, Flores, you mentioned one. We were just talking about Dable. And now there's so many others as well. So I think, you know, the Saints head coaching position, I mean, who really wouldn't want that? Like, that's kind of a desirable spot, especially with the history of that franchise. And there is talent to work with on that roster. You know, they just went nine and eight with really no quarterback to speak of after week eight. So that's something to look at. And, you know, in terms of the saints, it's just, you know, is this team going to be the same? Are they going to be competitive next year? That all remains to be seen. And we'll see how it goes next year when they get a quarterback and they get a head coach. I just look at the saints and it's just two huge blows in back-to-back years. You're, you know, you're trying to replace the hall of fame, most accurate quarterback of all time in Drew Brees. And now you have to replace one of the greatest coaches really of this generation. He's been such a solid NFL coach for so many years. And it's just, he was a guy that I think brought so much stability. I think Andrew, you, know, you always talked about how like, even though Breeze was gone, you felt like with Peyton there, you felt confident. Like we still have the guy that was the mind behind all those great Saints teams of the 2010s. And now that he's gone, I just think it throws everything into limbo a little bit because, you know, you still have to find your future quarterback. And I think now the question remains is just, are you a quarterback away? Like how much does this, the Saints situation change without this coach? How, how much worse are they going to get? Because Sean Payton was considered one of the best coaches in the NFL. There's talent in the Saints team, but I don't know, Andrew, do you consider them still one quarterback away? Or do you think they have more work to do now to get them set up? I'm not worried about the defense because I think Dennis Allen, even if he wouldn't, unless they hired a guy like Brian Flores, which he's a great defensive mind in his own right. So like they have the talent on defense. I'm extremely worried about this offense because they weren't good last year and they had Sean Payton, who's, as you guys said, one of the best minds really offensively. And now you go to no quarterback. You have no coach leading the way. That's the part where I can see this offense and everyone's like the Saints are like this offense. It can get, you know, it can't get worse than this, you know, like that it was with Taysom Hill. And I was like, oh, look at a team like the Giants. It could definitely get worse. And definitely get worse. Yeah. I can so tell you that. That's something that I, I'm very, very worried about is where this team goes offensively. I think the defense 
we'll keep them in, but this defense was so good. Are they going to be this good where they were like a top two, top three defense? Because if they regress to like a 10th, the 10th best defense, which is still really solid and you'll take that. But I don't know if this offense could hold. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see which way uh, they go. I do think that now that Sean Payton's gone, I would like to see them draft a QB because I don't know how much you can take the damage, the fixed goods, and they can, you know, Sean Payton, everyone's like, Sean Payton can make Jameis Winston good. Sean Payton can make Taysom Hill good. Sean Payton can make Tay Bridgewater good, whoever it may be. Now, I'm not sure whoever's going to come and coach the offense. I'm not sure if they can make those guys. And like this year, everyone's like, maybe the Saints should go after Baker Mayfield. He is a ton of talent, just damaged goods. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see a brand new slate. Maybe it's not this draft because this quarterback draft isn't as good. Maybe you get a stopgap this year, but the Saints have to be seriously looking in a draft to get their franchise QB. And that's, I think, what this team has to do. It's going to be interesting to see which way it goes. There's just so much uncertainty. And it's almost like you can't talk about this team because if they hire Dennis Allen, it'll probably be more of the same just philosophy-wise. But if they don't and they kind of get bring a new coach, who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be you know, an interesting time for the Saints. And for 16 years, you had the same Q, you had the same quarterback, you had the same head coach. And now both of those are gone. And like, even with Breeze, like you kind of knew that was going to be his last year. There was like an at peace level because I think we could all say, and Saints fans will all say that Drew Breeze, 2020 Drew Breeze wasn't, you know, a, a solid Drew Breeze. Obviously he, he looked like a shell of himself and, you know, you feel like, okay, like you feel closure on that. Sean Payton still look, looked like one of the best coaches in the league this year. And that's, I think, what the biggest thing is. And I think he'll be back coaching another team in a few, few years, which is just going to break my heart. If he's coaching like the Cowboys or something, uh, it, it would really sting for me. Uh, but again, I thank you, Sean Payton for what he did to the Saints team made them really a perennial winner. Cause they were not like, I think Brian, you said it like, Oh, this team's like, you know, their, their storied franchise, like before Sean Payton, there was no storied franchise. Like Sean Payton brought that here. So uh, you know, he's definitely, you know, going to be a Saints great NFL great, really outside of Bill Belichick. You can, really put him up there with a guy like Mike Tomlin or however you want to rank UBs, but he was consistently one of the best. So we'll have to see where the Saints goes, but let's focus on these four teams remaining here, getting into our pick segment. Usually this is like our longest segment of, of NFL Friday. It's the where we go through every pick, but only two games this week, and it's the biggest two games here of the season for Chiefs, KC, San Francisco, and LA. So we'll start off on the... AFC side that game will be at three o'clock on Sunday Cincinnati traveling it to Kansas City Brian who do you got you know it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good game I, it's gotta be I mean I'm pulling for the Bengals the Bengals you know they got a lot of talent they beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago and there's a lot of talent there but you know the game that they won against the Chiefs, that was in Cincinnati. It's a totally different ball game when you go to a playoff game at Arrowhead. That's an incredibly difficult place to win. And no one's really done it since Tom Brady did. And at that point, that's three years ago, I believe. So it's, it's a tough task for Joe Burrow, especially for a guy who's in the playoffs for the first time. So because of that, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I know that's going to upset a lot of people because a lot of people are sick to the Chiefs. and really would like a refreshing face in the Super Bowl and representing the AFC, but the Chiefs are so good, man. I mean, they're just, you just can't deny the talent that they have. I mean, their defense is really stepped up besides, you know, the Josh Allen last two minutes thing from last week. They've really been stepped up and obviously the talent on offense, Patrick Mahomes, 
you can't ask for more than just ha having that guy as your quarterback and then add Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And, you know, they've been red hot since week seven or something. They've Their one loss to the Bengals, and that was a really close game to end it. So they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL. And at home in an AFC championship game, I, I don't see them slowing down. So I want to take the Chiefs to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, listen, the, the Chiefs are probably, not probably, they are the better team. They probably have a, a better shot of winning if you had to ask me honestly, but I'm going to go ahead and pick the Bengals. I've just, I've been riding with them uh, this entire playoffs. I've kind of been joking with my friends like Bengals are Super Bowl bound. It's a lock. I don't know if I ever fully believe that, but we're here and like, let's just keep it going. Like they're such a fun team. And I think we still haven't gotten a game of like full out Cincinnati offense, 40 points scored. And I think this could be it. I think you look at the you look at the two playoff games they played and whether it was the Raiders where they put up 25 or against Tennessee, where I think they only put up 19. Like we haven't seen that offense fully click in the playoffs yet. And I think we have to. It's only right as NFL fans, we deserve to see a fun Cincinnati offense game. I think this could be it. Casey's defense wasn't super good again. It wasn't really good at all against Buffalo. So I think this is the perfect storm for another nice little shootout. And I'm going to take Cincinnati. Man, I love Cincinnati so much. I love Joe Burrow. Love Jamar Chase. I have a few, they have a few defensive players who used to play for the Saints that and I'm always rooting for. I just can't pick against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's so like I'll be rooting for the Bengals. I, I just can't bring myself to pick the Bengals. Um, I. I wish I had your confidence, Lou, but I just, I mean, Mahomes and this Chiefs team, Brian, you said it, this offense is going to probably put up 30 plus. And I don't think, like, I don't think you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen tried it, didn't work. Teams have tried it over and over again. I think you need to be Patrick Mahomes and you got to be able to stymie him. I don't see this Chiefs, uh, this Cincinnati team doing that. I think it's a close game, probably high scoring, but I think Mahomes does enough here and he gets the win and... I think that, you know, Patrick Mahomes, when push comes to shove, they need a big drive. They need a big momentum changer. He's always been there for them. And the I think the injuries have fell their way. They haven't had too much injuries like last year. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey playing at the top of their game. I think they get it done in this one. And then the NFC, third time the San Francisco 49ers and LA Rams will play this year. First two times, 49ers come out on top. And now we'll see if the 49ers can win for a third straight time as they travel to L.A. Lou, who you got? Uh, I'm hesitant, but I am going to take L.A. I, mean, I think they're the better team. Uh, I'm scared of both of these teams. If, if they make the Super Bowl, I don't know how confident I am in either <laughs> NFC team. I think like the real, ex the real exciting NFC teams got eliminated last week, so... Uh, you look at the Rams, and you said it earlier, Andrew, they have so much name talent. They just have so much talent in general. Uh, and San Francisco is a tough match for them. Like, this is not going to be an easy one if they're able to pull it off. But I, I think when you look at both these teams, I think the Rams just pop off as the better team. And I'm going to hope that they put together a, a complete enough game to knock out San Francisco. Listen, this is, I think, a lot more even of a matchup than people are giving credit for. I mean... You can say what you will about the Niners, and you can say what you want about Jimmy G, but I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen what Debo Samuel just tweeted two hours ago, but he said, crazy how you guys have so much to say about our quarterback. Check his win percentage. Okay, I'll wait. Pure winner. That's what Jimmy G is. 
And then I saw the record. He's 33 and 14 in the regular season and five and one in the playoffs. That one loss to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So that can't be ignored. And then you also can't ignore that the Niners just have the Rams number. And it's not just the two games from this year. The last six meetings, the Rams, Niners have won all of them. So this is kind of a tough matchup for the Rams. It's scary, but I think that this time around, I think the Rams are going to get it. I just think, you know, they're the, they are the better team, but I think this could be a really close game. But I just want, you know, for Matthew Stafford's sake, I think, you know, the fact that he has an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl is great. And then selfishly as a Giants fan, I want Odell to get a ring. So <laughs> there you go. So I can't really pick against the Rams. They're my sentimental favorite. And then also, you know, I think they're the better team, but don't don't sleep on these Niners, man. They can make some noise and they can definitely win this game. I had Rams Chiefs in the Super Bowl back when the season started. And I like I probably like I think the 49ers, like the success and dominance that they've had, it, it cannot be, you know, understated because they've been able to really stymie this Rams team just not only this year, but Kyle Shanahan has just had uh Sean McVay's number. I just think that at the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo, as much as we said, like Aaron Rodgers didn't bail out the Patriots, like Jimmy Garoppolo got bailed out by a block kick. And yeah. if, if that doesn't happen, this, you know, the, the Packers end up winning and like Rodgers gets saved again, but Jimmy G doesn't do enough after time and time again, he had this chance. I don't see this Rams, this Rams offense just getting stymied like like the Packers. I think they just have too much talent and they're not predicated on one guy like Aaron Rodgers. There's just so many different weapons. Matthew Stafford's done a great job. And as someone who likes teams that when they go all in and yes, maybe the Rams future is, you know, not looking too good, whether it be draft picks and all that stuff, but I would like to see them get rewarded as much as I don't like the Rams, just as a Saints fan, what they've done to the Saints in the past. But I do like Matthew Stafford a lot. I liked him when he was in the Lions, I, with the Lions. I thought he got a raw deal there. I'll pick the Rams here in this one. And look, they're the better team. And I think that they're going to be able to get this done. And Chiefs Rams Super Bowl, I mean, that would be a ton of fun with, I mean, I, I think that may be your two best teams. So that's what you obviously would like to see in the Super Bowl. But I, I don't, I think it'll be very, very close. And these two teams are evenly matched. Their coaching is similar with Shanahan and, and McVay. So that'll be a lot of fun there. But that'll do it here for this week on NFL Friday here at WFUV Sports. Definitely should be a very, very fun slate of games. But for my partners, Brian Raybax and Lou Orlando, I'm Andrew Galata saying enjoy your championship Sunday. We'll talk to you next Friday.